Hello and welcome to Town Hall Tattle, a podcast all about local politics in South Yorkshire. We'll be chatting about all things going on inside the town halls of Sheffield, Doncaster, Rotherham and Barnsley. So we've had a trial run, we thought it went reasonably well and now we're in the depths of September. There's plenty of stuff to get our teeth into as council meetings really start to get going again after the summer break. I'm George Torr, a politics reporter covering Doncaster and the newly rebranded South Yorkshire Mayoral Combined Authority, and I'll be hosting the podcast. We'll hear from our special contributors today, Lucy Ashton, who covers Sheffield Council, as well as Daniel Andrews, who is across all things Barnsley and Rotherham. So we'll start with Lucy with you first. How are you, first of all? Um, we're back in the throng of uh, council meetings again. September's around, really, really ramping up. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? And uh, yeah, how's it going? Good, thanks, George. Hello to everybody who's listening. I think the big two stories that have dominated September in Sheffield, uh, one is the closure of Pinston Street, which has been incredibly controversial. There's so much we can talk about with that one. And then the other one is the mid-term budget. And I have to say, council budgets, it always makes grim reading. I've been doing this job a very long time. I've never read a council budget that has been optimistic and positive and cheerful. Um, but this this particular one obviously comes on the back of uh, the pandemic and everybody trying to get back on the feet after COVID. Um, but the thing that is really causing immense stress is social care particularly adult social care. So I'll be talking a bit about that one as well. I'm across over to Danielle now, who has the unenviable task of covering not one but two councils. Danielle, how is it going and what are you going to talk about today? Yeah, it's going well, thank you, George. Um, there's a couple of things I'm going to talk about. Both have happened sort of semi-recently. Um, there's the Goldthorpe Master Plan that Cabinet approved uh, last in on Wednesday this week. Um, it's one in a series of master plans that is going on in Barnsley at the moment. It's the latest one um, and up to 3,000 jobs are going to be created. I mean, there's been some opposition to it, um, but yeah, there's uh, some employment there. So I think that's good news. Um, and there's also a plan to keep the town centre cleaned up in Barnsley. Um, I don't know if you've been up to Barnsley recently, but the new Glasswork Square has been unveiled and the council wants to keep the rest of the town centre looking just as nice. Um, so they've got a plan to spend about £450,000 on uh, cleaning up the town centre. So I'm going to talk a bit about that. Good stuff. Sounds really good today. And uh, just on a, on a Doncaster perspective, uh, I'll be talking about um, something that will kind of transcend across uh, both or four authorities, really. It's regarding uh, comments that Mayor Ros Jones made uh, in a private letter to South Yorkshire Police and Crown Commissioner Alan Billings. She basically said that Doncaster's not getting its fair share of police resources. This was on the back of a Office for National Statistics uh, report that basically said within the South Yorkshire region, Doncaster Town Centre had the most calls in return, in terms of antisocial behaviour and general crime in the area, it outstripped Sheffield City Centre, which kind of surprised a lot of people, with it being the biggest kind of uh, urban central shopping area of South Yorkshire. So 
the mayor has turned around to Councillor uh, Councillor Billings, uh, the Police and Crown Commissioner, Dr. Alan Billings, has said that Doncaster needs a fairer share. Now, I don't know how private this letter was, but it was sent to me in confidence. I sourced it in the council, sent it to me, uh, and it's caused a bit of a stink. So um, we'll be talking about that. That sounds do, interesting, that one, George. Private letters, private correspondence. That's yeah. what people always like to hear about, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, to be honest, I think it was I think it was in the mayor's own interests to get that out to the press because uh, she was asked a question about it at full council yesterday uh, from one of the Tory councillors. She was talking about, you know, engaging with government about the uh, increase in police officers coming into the borough. Um, you know, that, that same old Labour, Labour Tory back and forth where, you know, well, you cut officers back in with, with austerity and stuff like that. So, um there's there's a bit of a row over it. We're going to discuss it a bit more uh, in focus later on. But I want to turn to the South York, the newly rebranded South Yorkshire Mayoral Combined Authority, uh, previously called the Sheffield City Region. Now they've had a big rebrand. Uh, it's you know the kind of the clues in the name. It's a lot more inclusive to the rest of South Yorkshire outside of Sheffield. The positive thing about this is is that Dan Jarvis. Uh, well, we're discussing him as well uh, on his uh, recent announcement that he's going to stand down as the mayor come the next election in 2022. But it will be good with the rebrand because the national media will stop calling him the mayor of Sheffield, which really gets on my nerves because it completely alienates the rest of South Yorkshire. So, Lucy, in terms of the Sheffield City region now, the South Yorkshire Mayoral Combined Authority, do you think this is a think this is a, a, a real no-brainer move? To be honest. I think so. Does this mean that we're not including uh, works up Bassett Law area then now? Are we purely South Yorkshire? Well, the one thing that might have gone under the radar last year was is that with, for those who don't know, the Sheffield City region included South Yorkshire and then it included Derbyshire Dales, North East Derbyshire, Chesterfield and Bassett Law uh, District Council, which kind of made up the economic area of people where if you lived in Worksop, for example, you would look economically in, in one sense towards Sheffield rather than Nottingham. The same would be for Chesterfield. If you lived in Chesterfield, you would rather look to Sheffield for work and economic prosperity in that respect rather than Derby. The same for Derbyshire Dales in Matlock. You would probably look, work, you know, look towards Sheffield as well. So that kind of encompassed the Sheffield City region name. It was more of a, a business kind of, kind of grouping and an economic grouping. Now a lot more politics come into it. Uh, the government further down the line, this was last year, actually told um, respected councils who were part of two local enterprise partnerships. So Chesterfield Borough Council, for example, were part of the Derbyshire LEP and they were part of the Sheffield City Region LEP. Now, economically, this was this was great. They were part of they, were, they had a foot in both camps in Chesterfield, in Derbyshire Dales, in Worksop. And what it meant was the government said you have to choose one. So it meant that the so-called non-constituent members is what they're called in the Sheffield City region circles of Chesterfield, Derbyshire Dales and Bassett Law had to choose which LEP they had to choose. So they all said, well, in terms of geography, we're going to have to stay in our one with Nottingham and with Derby and the same with Dales as well in the Derbyshire. So it kind of, in terms of the Sheffield City region political kind of sphere, it left the four main constituent authorities of Sheffield, Barnsley, Rotherham and Doncaster. So in a nutshell, they're not involved. However, they will still have a representative at meetings if there is things to discuss like travel. So North East Derbyshire Council as well. And I know 
Daniel's, you know, from Killamarsh. It's just just over the border. Buses still running to Killamarsh from people. My own brother lives in Killamarsh. So, you know, in terms of that interest of that cross-boundary working in terms of travel, they'll still have a voice, they'll still have a say. But in terms of the actual political authority, it just stays with South Yorkshire. But for me, I think the name change is, is really good because it completely alienated the rest of South Yorkshire. And it, I know from covering yeah. Doncaster, it really irked a lot of councillors. And I'm sure Danielle would say the same for Rotherham and Barnsley. It really irked a lot of councillors. It kind of said, oh, it's just, you know, when it kind of gave this perception is that it was just like a completely Sheffield-focused uh, entity in some, in some areas. Mm. I mean, it wasn't. If you, if you look to any of the detail, it wasn't. I think Doncaster actually has been some of the, the main beneficiaries of Sheffield City region money, per se, coming through the LEP and through government. So, it's a bit of a made-up area, isn't it? Sheffield City region. It is. You, can, think, see, you can see why people would call him Mayor of Sheffield. Exactly. Because, and I think if you're, if you're a national commentator in London and you look up there, you, you're probably not going to spend a lot of time researching it or doing anything like that, which is kind of the, the big bugbear of kind of political reporters, you know, outside of London when London broadcasters and London media kind of come up and, you know, they'll back come up for election time or very rarity and, you know, they, they don't give it that detail sometimes. And obviously, I think the region as well, it doesn't really fit into a, a place like So Merseyside, for example, and Greater Manchester are two very distinct areas. Whereas, you know, if you wanted it, you want if you wanted its full geographical term, it'd be something like South Yorkshire, Derbyshire Dales, North East Derbyshire and Bassett Law region. Yeah. It doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? I mean, I, And know. also they're then I know they're probably connected economically, but really if you're in Derbyshire Dales, you've nothing in common with Doncaster. Um, geographically, or you, you, I can see how those outer areas would all come together in Sheffield for jobs. Um, but as people, it, yeah, it makes it makes much more sense to have South Yorkshire neighbours. I think so as well. I think you know, in terms of the LEP situation, yeah, I think you're completely right. P people in Matlock would have no real affinity with anyone in Doncaster. Mm -hmm. Same with people in. Barnsley with Bolsover in Bassett Law it just doesn't really kind of kind of tie up. So I can appreciate where they've gone with this. I think it's a I think it's a good move. It really kind of now it focuses it on South Yorkshire. Everyone knows where South Yorkshire is. It's got its own history, its own identity. I think it's going to be good moving forward. But kind of the the well probably the main news from that is that you know Dan Jarvis who is still MP for Barnsley Central um, he said to me many a times he's going to have to make a decision whether he carries on as mayor or as MP for Barnsley Central. He is basically chosen his parliamentary career over his mayoral career. Now, a lot of his supporters will say, and he said this himself, he had to carry on doing both jobs because he, you know, there was no devolution funding when he when he, when he won the election. There was no salary because of the four councils were at loggerheads. And I know me and Lucy have, have talked about this a lot, where Sheffield and Rotherham wanted the city region deal, whereas Barnsley and Doncaster. You turned during the negotiations and said we want to just want to join this Yorkshire wide deal. The government didn't offer a Yorkshire wide deal at the at the time. There came a there came a bit of a um, a compromise where they basically said we're all going to get round and sign the city region deal. But if any member, i.e. Barnsley and Doncaster, want to then join a Yorkshire deal if it ever gets off the ground, and it's going to be you know something rivaling Scotland in some respects, although without the powers that Scotland and devolution up there has had in terms of population anyway, it will be seen as something quite big. So that's been going on for a while. So Dan Jarvis has said, look, I've had to stay in that role to kind of get this deal over the line. Whereas his kind of naysayers would say, well, 
he's a part-time mayor and a part-time MP. Now, Danielle, I know people in Barnsley have, have kind of held that, some people in Barnsley anyway, have held that view. Do you kind of, do you think people in Barnsley Central, especially are now relieved that he's kind of chosen to carry on with one job? I should imagine so. Yeah, I mean, I think he does a fab job myself wearing two hats. I don't know many people that could wear two hats like that. But one of the criticisms that I have heard in Barnsley is that he's trying to do the two jobs and he may not pay as much attention to his constituency as he would if he wasn't wearing his mayoral hat as well. So, yeah, I think people will be relieved that he'll kind of get back to serving his constituents, really. I mean, the, once upon a time, Lucy. I know you've you've been in political circles for, for for a lot of years now. There was there was there was some there was some talk about him running for Labour, Labour leader. I know privately, I've spoken to other people and said he was he was he, he really sat up and thought about it. Obviously, you can't do that where he's wearing you know being Barnsley MP and the mayor. So he had to choose kind of a role. Do you think now this will free him up for a potential shadow cabinet position in Keir Starmer's mm. Labour Party? Yeah, it certainly, it certainly frees him up, doesn't it, to pursue his uh, political, well, um, parliamentary ambitions, I should say, not just political ambitions. I think as well, um, it's interesting about who Labour's mayoral candidate will be, because as I understand it, you can self-nominate in the Labour process. So you don't have to be nominated by you know, a trade union by the party, by a council leader. So anybody who is a party member can put their name forward. So it will be interesting to see if that opens it up much wider than the normal council leaders um, and the normal political people. Be interesting to see if there's any Labour Party members who are maybe business leaders who will go for it. I think that'd be quite interesting. I do think potentially that may happen. Um, I know there's been a couple of names banded around already on the Labour side. I mean, we are talking about Labour mainly for the fact that they won the last election and mm. with them having four Labour council leaders, you would suspect, you know, Labour won't be counting their chickens, especially with the Tory gains in South Yorkshire at yeah. council and MP level over the last two years. Wouldn't be counting the chickens, but you would suspect Labour, you know, are really thinking, you know, we've got to throw the kitchen sink at this. So a couple of names that have been touted around on social media. I don't know how true they are, but in terms of a in terms of a business voice, um, Andy Street in the West Midlands is a is one that kind of mm. um, is uh, some somebody that you know kind of fits that mold. You know, he's a Conservative Party member, but in, in terms of in terms of business head, he's he's not a traditional Tory in that respect either. From from what you know, I've spoke to colleagues in the West Midlands about that about Andy about Andy Street, and he seems to doesn't really toe the conservative line so i mean a couple of names that have been banded around to me that i've uh, been speaking to a few sources in doncaster they're saying that there's nobody in doncaster really as of yet who really wants to put their name forward i'm just thinking of the council and i don't i think a few of them will be eyeing up potentially what ros jones does in 2025 mm -hmm. um in terms of the next mayor election there i don't i think don't think there's anyone with the clout in south yorkshire uh in terms of, sorry don't think anyone with the clout in doncaster to kind of take on that role, potentially. Yeah, I think just widening it as well past Labour, I think it'll be really interesting because 
Um, we've got David Chinchin, who was the Conservative who stood for the Police and Crime Commissioner. So he's already quite a well-known name and has had a bit of a political platform. We've got um, Lib Dem leader Shafak Mohammed, who um, has been an MEP in the meantime. And we've also now got 13 Green councillors in Sheffield. So the Greens, since the last mayoral election, they've made some real headway politically. So I think there's there's some big players out there from other parties as well, potentially. I do think so as well. And I think I, I was discussing with, with this with you, Lucy, is that would potentially a strong Tory vote, which they increased their vote share in Doncaster. They didn't, they didn't get as many councillors as they would have liked, but they certainely added a few. Um, vote increases as well in Rotherham as well. There was, you know, one of the biggest shocks of, of local election night was the fact that they added, I mean, Danielle, correct me, maybe 17, 18 Tory councillors now back in Rotherham. So with a strong, I'm saying to you first, first, Lucy, with a strong Green and Liberal Democrat vote in Sheffield, and it's looking potentially like Labour could lose the control of the council next year if kind of this trajectory carries on. With a strong and Green Liberal vote in Sheffield and a big uh, vote in Barnsley, Rotherham and Doncaster for the Tories, do you think that potentially that Labour could potentially see, could be unseated? Do you think? Uh, for the uh, uh, for the Labour mayor, yeah, I do think a lot has changed since uh, the last mayoral election. I think Labour were on much firmer footing for a number of reasons. Uh, we've had a general election since then. We've got places like Stocksbridge, uh, you know, Miriam Cates now Conservative MP for Stocksbridge and Penniston. Stocksbridge has recently got its first Conservative councillor for a generation. Um, so I think there has been some seismic shifts in Sheffield politically and they, they could have a ripple effect on the mayoral vote. Definitely. We're going to leave it there on the South Yorkshire Mayoral Combined Authority. Um, basically, the big news is that Dan Jarvis won't be standing again for mayor and, uh, you know, about the rebrand. So I'm just going to move on to some uh, Sheffield headlines now. And uh, the city has more than 30 projects offering food bank services, but a group has said that it's really difficult for people to understand the process. A food poverty working group set up by councillors say there have been attempts to map food support in the city by a number of organisations, including the council, and they've found that 30 projects for people to access have been discovered. And calls have been made for a more joined-up uh, way of working because they're the same. There's different criteria and different eligibility process for people to access them. Um, we've been talking about potential elections next year about Mayor Dan Jarvis and his successor, but in council level, there's been a by-election in Sheffield, and Labour have narrowly won uh, a council war by-election by just 41 votes. That might be great news to a lot of people, but this is in first part. This is one of Sheffield's most safest seats. It saw a massive swing to the Liberal Democrats in what's seen as, you know, which is Labour's, if not Labour's safest seat on the council. And Fran Belbin won that contest by 1,091 votes. But go back to May when this seat was contested then, uh, Labour won the seat with you know, a majority of nearly 1,100. And this story really caught my eye. Um, three, count, uh, three houses, rather, which were abandoned by a landlord 22 years ago will be compulsory purchased by the council. The council rarely uses compulsory purchase orders, but is taking action on a small number of terrace houses on Mount Pleasant in Chapeltown. The council records show that three homes in this area have not had a tenant in them since 1999. So we're going to turn on to um, Lucy's um, talking point now. Pinston Street, Lucy. 
Talk to me about Pinson Street. This has been going on for a while. There's oh, a lot of discussion around this. Last June, Pinston Street was closed to um, enable social distancing. It's You wouldn't think it, but the pavements are quite narrow. There's quite a bit of stuff on pavements, plant pots and benches. Um, and if you remember back uh, to that time, we were all still queuing outside shops. So uh, the council made... Um, a hasty order to close the street to traffic so people could walk in the middle of the road and socially distance. The problem was when they closed it to traffic, they also closed it to buses and 36 bus services had to be rerouted, had to be diverted. And that's one of the cruxes of the controversy. And um, so it's been a double-edged sword for bus passengers. Some bus journeys have improved. Some have been made a bit easier. But quite a few people are having either longer journeys or a further distance to walk where they're being dropped off. There's also been some traders complaining that their customers can't get now because of the buses or they're just not getting the same passing footfall. Um, now, the council has really got to make a decision on whether to reopen it. The flip side of the complaints from the bus passengers is cyclists who would really like it closed permanently. And also people just saying it's a much nicer public space. Uh, the air's a bit cleaner. Um, it's an improvement. City centre residents want to keep it closed. Uh, they're just having it, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoying having it as a, a nice open public space. Now, we believe that this temporary order runs out in December. So the council has got to make a decision pretty sharpish on whether to reopen it. We've got Labour leader Terry Fox, who is, is veering on wanting to uh, reopen it. But we've got the Green executive member for transport, Douglas Johnson, who very much wants it to keep closed. So it, it, it will be very interesting here because we've got two very senior councillors at loggerheads, really, about what's going to happen with this. It will also probably be the first decision where the new Labour and Green coalition have gone head to head on an issue. Good stuff, Lucy. I mean, this has been kind of been going on for a while now. I mean, initially I thought this was a good idea, but then kind of as kind of time's gone on, as you've said, around you know accessibility for, for all residents. Some some people can't possibly get down there if it's been blocked off, if and it's affected businesses as well. So I think this is going to really really rumble on. Um, Danielle, we're going to talk um, all things Barnsley and Rotherham now. Kind of uh, just. Let's talk about Barnsley Town Centre because it's been a, a really big day, sorry, big day, a big uh, period for Barnsley with the glassworks finally opening. This is a, a big project in the town centre. It really looks really, really modern and really great. How has that gone down initially and uh, kind of what are the other talking points going on in Barnsley? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've been up Barnsley recently, but, you know, it's a lot of the complaints that you hear from residents and it's not just Barnsley, I will say. It's, you know, you hear it 
from as a local newspaper reporter from every town and city probably that the town centre is run down um you know the shops aren't very good it's unclean there's maybe unsavory characters hanging around that make people not want to go into town and want to go somewhere like Medoral and spend the money there um but the glassworks i think it's it looks lovely i don't know if you've been up there recently but the um the market kitchen's absolutely fantastic upstairs in the glassworks in the market um downstairs is absolutely brilliant as well i think i've popped into town today and it's been quite busy for just like a midweek lunchtime um it's always quite busy there's always people milling about and i think a lot of the naysayers who were concerned when they first heard about the glassworks development about the money that's gone on it you know might actually have to admit that it does look great but this plan now the council want to sort of clean up the rest of the town centre you know you've got the glassworks on one side of the town centre and then the rest is just as it was um so you know there's quite there's a plan now to sort of keep the town centre clean and keep the rest of it kind of up to date with the new project so um a report went to cabinet on wednesday outlining details of 450,000 pounds plans to sort of do works in in the town centre such as um put bigger litter bins in place to prevent littering um the town centre wardens that kind of ward off antisocial behaviour they're going their shifts are going to be ex extended till 11 o'clock at night um because the council say that there's going to be they're expecting increased footfall now that the lockdowns are over people returning back to bars and you know being social in the evenings um, and then there's going to be an extra cleaning team on duty seven days a week until 11 p.m. And then there's the things like replacing bollards, lamps, CCTV posts, benches, you know, just all those little things that make the town centre look nice and welcoming and make people want to go there and, and spend money. Definitely. I think it will really help Barnes as well, that initial investment. I know similar efforts in Doncaster have, have been made around the town centre, around antisocial behaviour, rough sleeping, drug taking. It was a massive, massive issue around three years ago, this around people basically saying to me, why the hell would I go and shop in Doncaster town centre? I can get on the train 20 minutes to, to Meadowhall, spend all my money in there, and or I could, I could drive there, free parking, everything's under one roof. Um, so the council have really kind of responded to that and they've put in a lot of money. So I think this will, I think there's, there has been tangible benefits as well for Doncaster in that respect. So I think Barnsley will see the same as well. What about Rotherham though, Daniel? Obviously you're, you're with the authority. Uh, what's kind of going on there? Well, there's full council meeting next week and there's been a notice of motion um, that the Labour majority, the, the Labour administration's filed and they're calling on the government to um not cut the universal credit uplift of £20. Um, so, yeah, the, the the government during last March in the first lockdown, I think they, they had an extra £20 for people a week who were claiming universal credit, just in recognition of the difficulties that they'd be facing during the pandemic. Um, and then the government's planning to cut that. I think it's on the 6th of October, um, they're planning to remove that uplift. So yeah, there's going to be a, not a notice of motion to the to the full council to work uh, to keep that in place. Good stuff. Going to move on to Doncaster now. Uh, some of the things that's been going on over 
there. Um, just a couple of headlines, kind of stuff that's gone on in the past week or so. Um, this is a bit of an interesting one. So the council is set to ban pets being given out as prizes during lo- events on local authority land. This kind of relates mainly to goldfish being given out as prizes at fun fairs. So Deputy Mayor Councillor Glyn Jones made the announcement at a meeting of the full council at Doncaster Racecourse uh, just yesterday. We're recording on Friday. This was uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday. Uh, the campaign was launched by the RSPCA back in July and a number of councils have followed suit. I know Wakefield is also, just which borders Doncaster, has also passed this motion uh, this week as well. Um I don't Sorry, think sir. I've seen a fairground goldfish for about 20 years. Well, this, this is the thing. I, I did win a goldfish at a fair about when I was about 10. So we're talking like 20 years ago now. Rude. I'm with you, Danny. I honestly haven't seen one for about 20 years. It grew monstrous. We had to we had to dig a pond for it because it outgrew its tank. I don't know what kind of goldfish they were giving out, but my mum said, never again are you having a goldfish from the fair. Did you win a carp, Danny? <laughs> it was something. I do not think it was a goldfish. It, it was. They gave me something. It started off life as a teeny tiny cute fish, and then my dad ended up having to dig a pond for it. So, so this kind of campaign by the, by the RSPCA was um, initially... They had lots of calls uh, about animal welfare of goldfish uh, back when, I don't know if you saw this in 2019, where a guy was filmed swallowing a goldfish on uh, Facebook. He won it at a gold fair and then literally opened the bike and swallowed the goldfish live. And apparently the RSPCA had hundreds of calls around banning goldfish being given out as prizes at uh, fairs and stuff across across the UK. Um, can, can I just say for, for listeners who can't see mine and Danny's faces, yeah. on hearing that, that's ghastly. That's where, that's where it all started. That's where it all started, apparently. It was, it, it was a viral video going around. It really, really got a lot of people's backs up. The RSPCA launched this campaign. It's been adopted by lots of councils over the last couple of years, and Doncaster's been the latest uh, to adopt that. Moving on, more some more Doncaster stuff. Uh, councillors have agreed to spend more than four million pounds on new facilities for gypsy and traveller sites across the borough in order to meet government standards. Uh, members of Mayor Ros Jones's cabinet agreed a two-year investment strategy to carry out improving dated and poor conditions across the three council-owned sites. So the work will begin at the White Towers site in Armthorpe, Little Lane in Thorn, and then Lands End in Kirk Sandal coming afterwards. Um, I was in. I was in that meeting, and uh, there was some, uh, you know, basically the, the the facilities were really, really substandard, and apparently they've fallen below government the, the government minimum, and they've, and they've had to turn around. And say, look, we've got to spend this money, um, mm. and, it, and it's had a, it's, you know, Doncaster's had a history. It's got a relatively uh, large gypsy traveller community and stuff, so this will be a welcome investment. George, uh, can I just pick up on that? We we've, we've yeah. had something similar in Sheffield, but there's a councillor calling for a a camp where travellers can stay while they're moving through the country. Yeah. So on not a permanent site, but on, you know, on their way to Appleby Fair and other places, they, mm. this calls for a, a camp in the uh, high green area. I mean, I think it kind of, it, it, it definitely warrants it, especially because I, from, from what I can gather, you might correct me, Lucy, I don't think there's actually any, is there any permanent sites? In Sheffield, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple in Sheffield. Um, But this one would be a temporary one where they Mm. would literally just, 
stay a night or two as they're passing through. Because I know um, this is very contentious with a lot of people. You, you see it with sometimes other publications mm -hmm. where where the travel community will, will, will park on land where they shouldn't be, and it causes mm -hmm. a bit of causes a bit of friction between local community and the council and stuff. So I think that would be quite a, a welcome move from the council yeah. if they got around to doing that. Definitely. Um, and finally, this is kind of on the housing theme as well. Uh, the Doncaster Council is said to have had no option but to extend strict conditions on landlords letting properties in one Doncaster suburb in order to continue to tackle antisocial behaviour and fly tipping. Deputy Mayor Jones again, uh, Glyn Jones rather, he's the uh, housing cabinet member at Doncaster Council, said the decision to extend a licensing scheme was needed in order to improve standards of homes and crack down on the behaviour of some tenants living in private sector properties in Hexthorpe. Uh, all pr private landlords must obtain a licence if they fail to do so or fail to achieve acceptable management standards. The council can take enforcement action. So that's kind of some of the things going on in Doncaster. Going to move it on to Doncaster again regarding, we mentioned it at the start of the pod, around uh, Mayor Jones and her supposedly private, not so private letter to uh, Dr Alan Billings, who's the South Yorkshire Police and Crime Commissioner. She basically said that Doncaster's not getting there fair share of resources in terms of police funding. Um, this was on the back of the Office for National Statistics report, which said that Doncaster Town Centre was the, in so many words, the crime hotspot. They had the most calls. I think it was 5,400 in a particular uh, time period. Second to that was Sheffield City Centre, which was about a 1,000 less. Still, still, you know, mm. thousands more than, you know, people would like. Um, so she's calling for more officers to come into the borough, there's been a bit of a, a slight row with the Tories and the Tories are saying they need to work with government to kind of better uh, engage with those down in Whitehall to get these officers. But obviously policing, and especially I'll come to you, uh, Danielle, as well, because obviously you cover the uh, Policing Crime Commissioner. Obviously, this is going to cause a row anyway. Every single area of South Yorkshire claims they don't have enough officers. Kind of what's the situation with kind of the financial aspects of the, um, of the South Yorkshire Policing Crime Commissioner at the moment and what kind of things are going on there yeah so i went to the police and crime panel meeting at the beginning of the week um that revealed that there's there's been a two million pound underspend in the annual budget um so that's two two point six million that's sort of been left unspent um now the chief financial officer at the pcc's office told the meeting that they'd received like a covid grant of 1.46 million so that that hasn't yet been spent. It sounded like they'd received it sort of too late during the financial year to have sort of had plans for it. But she said that it will get spent. Um, and then part of the forecast underspend was down to employee costs, um, including like vacancies, particularly in Atlas Court in Sheffield. Um, and yeah, and then there were there is six uh, six sorry. There is 64.9 million in the reserves. So that's like the cash that's available for emergencies. Um, but that's also for legacy issues. So, you know, the investigation into Hillsborough, um, Stovewood, um, CSE civil claims, it, it's for things like that. So hopefully if that money is sort of carried over and there is that grant that, next year it'll be distributed evenly between everywhere in South Yorkshire I mean Lucy do you see a situation where potentially this may be a bit of a 
because you know South Yorkshire's Labour leaders and kind of councils have had have had previous, let's just say, around little infighting behind the scenes. I mean, the devolution deal especially was kind of one that really dragged on. It really dragged its heels. Could you see a potential a, a bit of a a bit of a sticking point around this? If one authority is saying we haven't got enough police, you know, what's to say that? The PCC turns around and says, right, we're going to take 20 officers from Sheffield and they're going to go work in Doncaster. Definitely. And worryingly, I think it's not just the politicians who might row about this. I think it might actually be residents as well, because we've had um, we had a horrendous um, stabbing in Sheffield City Centre which happened on about 4.30 uh, last Friday tea time where a young man was killed. Um, and I think if you're saying to residents anywhere in South Yorkshire, we might have to take a few of the bobbies out of your neighbourhood and put them over the border. Nobody's going to be happy with that. Nobody wants that. I've certainly heard from a lot of people in Sheffield this past month or so, particularly business owners who feel Sheffield city centres got worse for crime. Um, so it's a really difficult one for the police and crime commissioner to, to juggle this, but I don't think anywhere is going to want to see any of their policemen being moved. So I'll just read you some of what Mayor Jones has said in this letter. So this correspondence was sent in relation to data from the ONS, as I've said, which revealed that Doncaster Town Centre had the highest amount of recorded crimes anywhere in South Yorkshire between December 2020 and May 2021. So the mayor said that the added increase... So basically, Doncaster Town Centre back in 2018 actually used some of their own reserve funding to increase, to pay for extra police patrols in the town centre with dedicated, uh, they call them town centre ambassadors and stuff, kind of what Danielle mentioned around Barnsley, where they're going to be getting more people to deter antisocial behaviour. Um, so they did this with the understanding there will be an uplift in police neighbourhood resources in 2019 from the PCC. She said this hasn't materialised and it's kind of with the ONS data has really prompted the council and Mayor Jones to write this letter. So she's called for a review and reprofiling of officers graduating from training school to give more priority to Doncaster relevant to the demand in the borough. And she goes on to say, the inconsistent and unresourced level of policing is failing our residents and businesses in our duty to keep the town centre streets safe. I can provide numerous examples, but the most frequent reason is given that the need to take officers from neighbourhood teams to support response officers dealing with other high demand issues, namely the so-called active queue and getting this re response to the priority listings at 101 and 999. Um she also goes on to say, my strong belief is the general lack of resilience within response teams and the unequal distribution of resources coupled with high demand are matters that require urgent review to ensure a fairer allocation of officers to Doncaster. OK, so that was that's what the mayor of Doncaster said, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to be hearing more about this. I'm, I'm due to write another couple of stories around this uh, issue uh, moving forward. Um, so... If there's anything else, guys, that you want to speak about, I think we've we've pretty much you know wrapped wrapped up this this episode. I think it's been lot lot to discuss, a lot more to follow up with. Um, I'd like to say thank you very much to Lucy Ashton who covers uh, Sheffield City Council, uh, Daniel Andrews who has the job of covering Barnsley, rather than the South Yorkshire Police and Crime Commissioner. Um, big thanks to Chris Eshels as well who will be uh, kind of doing all the editing, all the wizardry, getting this up online and getting uh, our. Uh, voices in your ears at some point in the near future. Uh, I've been George Tall, the host of this uh, 
Town Hall Tattle South Yorkshire Politics Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.